Hello, and welcome to the Laverne Church of Christ podcast, and thank you for joining us. You can find us at 244 Old Nashville Highway, Laverne, Tennessee, 37086. We hope that any time you are in the area, you will stop by and join us for worship. Our Sunday morning worship is at 9 a.m., with Bible classes following. Our Sunday evening worship is at 6 p.m., and we also have a Bible study on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. Revelation 1, 1 through 8. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants and the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and keep, the, keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth. To him, to him who loves us and, it, and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to God, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and all. Every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and the tribes of the earth will wail. On account of him, even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. All right, let me request that if possible, you give your undivided attention to this lesson material as best you can. I think the elders have wisely chosen the path that we are choosing to have an abbreviated service, and so I'm going to go for 15 minutes and done one way or the other, but what I'm going to say for the next 15 minutes is, uh, is going to be needful information, so I hope that you'll pay attention. Now, last week, we began officially our sermon series on Sunday nights through the book of Revelation. And so I'm not going to reintroduce because all of that is available online, either on Facebook or YouTube. You can go back and catch the first half of this two-part lesson, of which tonight is the second part. And so what we're going to do is dig back into the text right where we left off, and we're going to pick up with verse 4 of Revelation 1. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Now, I put there in the black below it, this is uh, Kaufman commenting on the Greek. He says, the Greek words from which this is translated are literally the being and the was and the coming. And I like that better than the translation, personally. I think it's deeper. And sometimes that happens in translation from Greek or Hebrew to English. But the point of this is that, uh, is this statement of the origin of this revelation, that it comes from God the Father through Jesus the Son, is that when, when John is receiving this revelation from Father and Son, he is receiving this revelation from the great I Am. And this is what God calls himself in Exodus 3 and verse 14 when he was speaking to Moses. 
And Moses asked who it was that was sending him. What was the name of this God that was sending him to the people of Israel? God told him, I am that I am. Tell them, I am sent me to you. And we know that the name of God, Yahweh or Jehovah, depending on the way it's pronounced, is a play on the phrase, I am. And the name practically means, I am. This is God's name, being, existence. That's who God is. He always has existed. He both was and he's coming. He is the past, he is the present, he is the future. There's no escaping God or getting around him at all. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Now this is symbolic language, remember, already in chapter 1 we're dealing with symbolism. And so these seven spirits, this is simply a way in symbolic language to refer to the Holy Spirit. And in support of that, I want you to look at Isaiah 11 verse 2, by the way, which is a passage about the Holy Spirit. And it says, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. All of these are qualities of the one Holy Spirit that would be upon uh, the Son of God. And so you can see in this passage, no coincidence, seven qualities are given to the Holy Spirit. And so when we come to the book of Revelation and we see the seven spirits who are before his throne, symbolic for the perfection of the Holy Spirit of God, of his knowledge, of his ability, of his wisdom, understanding, counsel, etc., etc., etc. Oh, by the way, Ephesians 4, verse 4 says, and there is one spirit. So we understand in literal language, Ephesians 4, 4, one spirit. We looked at Isaiah 11, 2 to see where this seven comes from. It's a symbolic interpretation of the perfections of the Holy Spirit of God. And so, continuing, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. Three qualities about Jesus that's important to know. That Jesus Christ is the faithful witness. He's the one who has witnessed the true realities of God the Father. And there is no one who has ever walked this earth who has the ability to reveal God to us other than Jesus, his son. He is the one true witness of God the Father, the only source of truth about him. He is the firstborn from the dead. Yes, we can read in the Bible of people being raised from the dead temporarily, but they just were given life again for a while and went back to the grave. Jesus is the first who has been resurrected bodily from the dead, and thus he's the firstborn from the dead, permanently resurrected bodily from the dead, never to die again. And he is the ruler of kings on earth. In other words, the king of kings and lord of lords, as this book will say numerous times. Whoever is a king on earth, Jesus is his king too. Whoever is a queen on earth, Jesus is her king too. Whoever is an emperor or a president or a senator or any kind of title we like to give to people in power that have the ability to rule, Jesus is their ruler too. And all the rulers of the earth would be wise to recognize it. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us, notice this, and made us a kingdom. We are a kingdom. Jesus is our king. We have a heavenly country, a lasting country that will be eternal. Nothing can break it. Nothing can conquer it. Nothing can change it or cause it to pass away. And he has made us to be priests to his God and Father. As I've said many times, 1 Peter 2, 5 and 9, Peter teaches us that we are a royal and holy order of priests. Every Christian, a priest or a priestess who has been baptized into Jesus Christ. And thus we have the authority from God to be mediators between God and men in the sense that we connect people to Jesus. 
where Jesus is the one true high priest, the great mediator between God and man. He connects God to fallen man. We, as Jesus' disciples, connect fallen man to Jesus. And so that is the responsibility of our priesthood. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. You know, the year is 2024. I said 2023 in the sermon today. Thanks for your patience. It's January still. By February, I'll be in 2024. Now we're in the nether regions between the two in my mind. But, um, you know, it's been 2,024 years approximately since the birth of Christ. That, cal- that uh, calendar is probably three or four years off. It's probably been more like 2,028 years since the birth of Christ. But we, we calculate by an ancient calculation about that many years since the birth of Christ. And there are many people on earth, just as Scripture says, who say things like, well, where is his coming? When's Jesus going to come again? And so many people just don't believe that he ever will. They believe this world, this universe will keep on going as it is. But Scripture continually promises us, no matter how long the patience of God endures, he is coming back. He is coming back. The second coming of Christ will happen. You'll see it and I'll see it. Notice, every eye will see him. When he comes again, it won't be a secret, silent, invisible coming like those who believe in the so-called rapture teach. The Bible teaches us clearly that in the second coming of Christ, there will not be a soul not aware that the Lord has returned. Every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him. The soldiers who drove the nails into his hands and feet will look up into the heavens and see the one they crucified. The Roman authorities that oversaw it all and approved it all. The Jews that caused it all to happen that stood around him on that day and mocked him and told him to come down from the cross. They'll see him coming in the clouds. And this is the reason why the passage says, And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. That's not good news. Nor is it intended to be. It's intended to comfort us who look forward to the coming of Christ to know that it is the moment of our victory. It's the moment of our being validated for every sacrifice we've had to make for Christ, for all of the things that we might have suffered or the things that we have refrained from doing that in our fleshly nature we might have wanted to do. We've done it for Jesus. And the passage tells us that we're going to stand with him in glory, kingdom of priests forever and ever and ever. But all of the masses of humanity that have rejected Jesus ever since his coming, those before the cross that rejected the God of Israel, they will raise up their voices and wail because they will realize that the time of their judgment and destruction has come. And notice what John says, even so, amen. Let everyone who does not love Jesus be accursed. And every Christian ought to believe that to the core of our beings. You love Jesus or you die. And that's the truth. It's the truth. And do not shy away from it or be ashamed of it. Jesus Christ is Lord. And whoever doesn't believe in him is a traitor. A traitor to his God and creator. That's the truth, brothers and sisters. And John is not afraid to say amen to that. Verse 8. Jesus says, I am the Alpha, or God the Father speaking, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. Notice the Almighty, the Almighty. You can't overpower God. It is futile. All strength comes from him. And so summarizing the first eight verses of the Revelation to John, we're going to say that the Revelation is about things that are shortly to take place. 
We saw that literally written in the text last week when we looked at the first four verses. And I want you to recognize that there are, of course, many competing interpretations of the book of Revelation in our world today. And just to paint with a broad brush now here at the outset of the series, anybody who says that the book of Revelation is all about the end of time and it had no real meaning to the folks that first received that book are wrong. It's not true. Can't possibly be the case that it would be all about the end of the world and nothing about times then. Because John plainly says that he was told these events are shortly to take place. And that's repeated twice in chapter 1 and also in chapter 22. That, the initial fulfillment of these prophecies, came within the first four or five centuries uh, after the writing of this book is absolutely certain. And I talked about that last week. But I do want to affirm, and you will see this borne out again and again in the text of Revelation, there are in fact many things in the book that do in fact talk about the end of time. And that means that when we look at the book of Revelation, we're going to see that this was about primarily and originally events that were immediately then to begin to take place, but foreshadowed by those events are Judgment Day, the end of this world, and the beginning of the one to come. And not only is that the case, but even those things that referred only to the defeat of persecuting powers in the ancient world by means of principle also apply to our world today. The book of Revelation is thus about then and about now, and so we should apply it. Revelation is about blessing from God for all believers in all times who remember, who read the book, who listen to the book, and obey the things that they find in the book. The book of Revelation is not just kind of an interesting sort of mystery or just a matter of curiosity tacked on to the end of the Bible. It is a book of the Bible, which means it is part of the 66 books of the canon that teach us what is right and what is true and how to live. And therefore, we must not only read the book of Revelation because it fascinates us, but we must read it, we must listen to its words, and put them into practice because it is the word of God. It's truth, and it teaches us how to live righteously in a way that is faithful and that pleases the Lord our God. The book of Revelation is about an encouragement to the church to always remember in all times, regardless of of what is happening the almighty knows he knows he's aware he cares and he'll do about it whatever he deems to be wise and right if you are paraded along with brothers and sisters in Christ along a pathway that leads to your execution because of your service to Jesus the father knows he's aware he sees, and he'll do whatever about it he deems to be wise and right, even if that means he lets you walk right to your execution and die. And he is able to raise you from the dead, to give you eternal life, to make you eternally wealthy, to give you an existence in which you will never feel pain again. And so our ancient brethren were faced with very heavy persecution. Many of them would lose their jobs. They would lose their families. They would lose their, lose their standing in the community. A great many would be executed for their faith in Christ over the four centuries that followed the writing of this book. And those were the people initially that this book was given to help to endure these sufferings and to keep faith with Jesus so that they could be saved in the final day. 
And, and that's ultimately the lesson that this book teaches. God is, in fact, on his throne. And he knows. And he's able. But he'll do whatever he deems to be right. And it's our job as his followers to trust him no matter what, just as the sons of Korah sang in the song. Their forefather had rebelled against God. And along with his party, the ground opened up and swallowed them all. Centuries later, his descendants, who were faithful to God, who were faithful, said, though the ground opens up and swallow me, I will trust in him. Amen. Yet he slays me, I will trust in him. And brothers and sisters, that is the proper attitude of a disciple of Jesus Christ. It is my sincere hope that all of us, if Christ's return is delayed, are allowed to live out the rest of our lives in peace, proclaiming the gospel faithfully and worshiping God and being blessed in every way. That's what I hope happens. It's what you hope happens. God would, would see us live in a world like that. We don't know what Satan has in store or what he will do to fight against the cause of Christ. It's not our place to usurp the throne of Jesus and tell him what he ought to allow to happen. It's our place simply to serve him faithfully. We'll look in this text in just a few weeks, Revelation 2.10 where Jesus says this. This is what he has to say to Christians who are being murdered for their faith. He says, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. That's his promise. Brothers and sisters, the sermon is yours tonight. The invitation is yours. If you need to respond to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, do not think another moment about the weather outside because that's more important. This evening, if you need to come forward to receive the prayers of the church, we'll be glad to offer them to heaven on your behalf. Come as we stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. If you have any questions, please email them to us at office at lavernecoc.org. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day.